Last week, I shared a message with you, a simple message just titled, I Love the Lord. And I just want to say again, I love the Lord. He's been so good to me. All that he has done for me in my life, I just can't help but love the Lord. And I want to tell you this morning, I love the church. Oh, I really do. You know, when we were on vacation, this was just on my heart the whole time. I missed y'all, and, and I love y'all. See, when I, when I say I love the church, I'm talking about you. That's what the church is. The church is people. Now, I, I want you to know, I love the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm in good company because Jesus loves the church. Somebody, somebody you want to be more like Jesus? Let me tell you, Jesus loves the church. So if you want to be more like Jesus, you got to love the church. Amen. It's not really a popular attitude in our culture. For the most part, the world sees the church in a negative light. Now, I know that, at least in the Bible Belt, it seems like there's a lot of people that don't go to church anymore. Like one time when I was little or whenever I used to go to church, but I don't go anymore because... Somebody hurt me. Somebody offended me. Maybe it was a preacher, but there's a lot of people say, I don't go to church anymore because something somebody did to me. They're all a bunch of hypocrites. They just kind of, you know, paint every, every Christian, every churchgoer, we'll put it that way, every churchgoer with that same brush. They're all like this because that what that person did to me. Oh, my. A lot of people don't like the church even though they don't really even know much about it. They've been influenced by all the stereotypes in the media. You know, if you watch movies or TV where they show a a church-going person, it's almost always in a negative light. They're almost always a hypocrite or some kind of a fun-hating legalist. And people get this idea about church and about churchgoers, but it's not even just the world. No, a lot of the time, it's nominal Christians, it's those who profess to be Christians are actually the most critical of the church and talk negative about the church. So much negative attitude in in this world about the church. They don't tell you about all the good people. They don't tell you about all the lives that are being changed. They don't tell you about the alcoholic that got set free. They don't tell you about the marriages that were saved or marriages that were restored. They don't tell you about these young people who serve God when in a generation where so many are being stupid and messing up their lives. There are some young people who love God and are living for God and have a great future. You see, they don't talk about that part of the church. They just want to find that one that did wrong or that one that is a hypocrite. And let's talk about that all the time. I'm telling you, in this world, we need to know that Jesus loves his church and we should love his church. It's almost like, you know, in in this world, if, if they can find anything, find some fault with the church then they somehow feel vindicated in their unbelief and they're refusing to serve the Lord. But Jesus said that he was going to build his church and even the very gates of hell will not be able to stop it. I want to tell you the church will be victorious because it's his church. Isn't it great to be on the winning team? And I want to tell you nobody can stop Jesus' church. 
But Satan has thrown everything he can at it. He's tried to slow it down. He's tried to hurt the church. And this started even from the very beginning. There was persecution against the church, first from the Jewish leaders and then from the Roman Empire. And so many were persecuted and even put to death. And those kinds of things still happen in our world today. But in the dark ages, Satan used religion to try to damper down the church and keep it from being effective. And it seemed like it was working for a long, long time in the dark ages. The church really struggled. But it emerged from the dark ages stronger and better than ever. Well, I want to tell you this morning, there is a great attack of Satan against the church today. And no, it's not Hollywood. No, it's not the immorality. It's not the atheists. It's not the pagans. Let me tell you, it is a deception that the church is weak, that the church is outdated, that the church is no longer needed. And it's not just unbelievers. It's in the body of Christ. There are people who don't realize how important the church is. They can take it or leave it. This is an attack of Satan. It is a deception in our day and time. It is his best attack against the church. And he's a master of deception. A lot of times Christians don't even realize how they're being influenced by the world around them. Listen, if you can't say, I love the church, some of that's crept into your heart. Because we ought to love the church. Jesus loved the church and gave himself for her. So how can we not love the church if we love Jesus? The body of Christ, that's the church. The body of Christ. I, I just want you to think about that for just a moment. The body of of Jesus. This is what the scripture tells us. The church is his body, the body of Jesus. How do you love Jesus and not love the church, which is his body? See, that doesn't even make sense, but the church is the body of Christ. It is the only thing in this world that's going to heaven. I say it often, but people need to realize this. You want to talk bad about the church? Let me tell you, the church is the only thing in this world that's going to heaven. The church, it's not a building. It's the people of God. And that's all that's going to go to heaven. This church of Jesus, we need to realize it is a victorious church. He is making it a glorious church. We don't need to feel embarrassed. We, don't, we need to get rid of any negative feelings we have about church. That's all just part of a deception and an attack of the enemy to slow down the church. And we as believers, you know what? We just wouldn't abide somebody trashing our Savior. You're not going to talk, you're not going to talk ugly about my Jesus. Why do we allow it about the church, his body? Remember this. Jesus is coming back for his people. And in that regard, it's called his bride. The church is the bride of Christ. 
You don't talk bad about another man's bride, especially when his name is Jesus. See, we need to be careful about what we say negative about the church. You're talking about Jesus' people. You say, oh, well, they got faults and flaws. That's why we need a Savior. And Jesus paid that price. Listen, he loved the church and gave himself for her. Ephesians 5, 25. He loves the church and he gave himself for her. So many today seem to think that the church just isn't really necessary. And, you know, they say things like, well, I love the Lord, but I don't, I don't need to be involved in a church, you know. I don't, I don't need to go down there with all those hypocrites. I can pray. I can talk to the Lord on my own. You know what? I'm sure that on any given Sunday, there are some pretenders in church. But mostly, sincere people who love God and want to come and worship God and want to hear the Word. See? That's who's mostly here. In fact, I'm just going to be ugly. You pray for me and forgive me. I'm asking for forgiveness ahead of time. But, but here it comes. You see, the real hypocrites, they're the ones saying, I don't need to be down there with the hypocrites at church. Because we're the ones who admit we need a Savior. And we admit that we need brothers and sisters to draw strength from and encourage one another. How hypocritical to think you're too good to come be with the rest of us. See, church, we don't, we don't need to just go along with that mentality. We need to realize the church is His church. And I just I got to get this out of the way. I got to address this because this has been such a stronghold. You see, so many people, they say, well, the universal church. Oh, that is exactly what Jesus was talking about when He said, I will build my church. He's talking about His universal church that's all around the world. But almost every time that the word church is used in the New Testament, it is talking in reference to a local church. It is absolute hypocrisy to say, well, I love the universal church. I don't want nothing to do with the local church. Baloney. That's just like, I love the whole world, but I'm not going to love my neighbor. See, we need to love the local church. It is the local church that Jesus is moving and working through. Without the local church, there is no universal church. And you see it all through the New Testament. The local church, the church of Ephesus, the church of Corinth. The Apostle Paul, this great missionary, the great apostle that we read his letter still today. He had such an impact on the world. God used him so mightily. Do you know that every town he went to, his goal was to start a local church? And he prayed, he said, for those churches. And sometimes he even said, let's go back and check on those churches again. I'm just telling you, he was all about the local church. And today, still, if we want to reach a foreign country, a people group that don't know the Lord, the best way to do that, you got to get a church started there. How is it that in our country, people become so deceived to say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't need the local church. What a deception they've bought into that Satan is propagating. 
You see, from the very beginning, and it has always been this way, Acts 2, 47, when that early church started, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The Lord, the Lord added to the church those that were being saved. And you go on, actually a few verses before that, five verses before that, it says that those believers... They met in the temple courts every day. And then they went to each other's homes and they broke bread together and they prayed together. But you need to understand that they were a part of that body, of that church. See, we need to have a scriptural perspective of the church. We don't, we don't take our cues from a secular culture or some quasi-Christian pop theology. You know, it sounds all hip and cool today to act like I don't need the church, just me and Jesus. That's wrong. Listen, those people need to read the whole Bible. You don't just pick out the parts that you like. Here's, what, here's the way that Jesus sees it, Ephesians 1, and 23. And he put all things under his feet, under Jesus' feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. Jesus is the head. The church is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. This is one of the amazing things about the church is that Jesus, as he walked this earth, he could only be one place at one time as a man, as that God-man. But now, through the church, he is all around the world. The church, his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. And I'll tell you, God is moving and working in and through his church. I love Jesus, I just don't love his body. That's not right. The church is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Now, I want to say this. I, I know, and I hope you don't know and understand, the church is not a building. In fact, in the scripture, it's never referenced as a building. It is not just an organization. It is a live, living, breathing organism. It is the body of Christ. And the Greek word for church doesn't mean building. It never references that at all. But listen, here's what it means. The word church means gathering. It means assembly. It means a congregation. It is when we come together, that's church. It's a gathering. People have this attitude, well, I'm church all by myself. No, you're not. It's when we gather in his name that he's promised that he would show up. But that's what it means. It's, the word literally means gathering. Jesus loved the church. He gave himself for it. The church is his mission. He said, I will build my church. And we need to see it the way Jesus sees it. Not some weak, fragmented, religious organization. See, if we look at it through the eyes of the world, that's the way we'll see it. If we look at it through the eyes of religion, we'll see it as something that's made by man and run by man and for man. But if we see it as Jesus see it, sees it, we'll see it as his people that he bought with his own blood, a people that he is bringing together to be his people for all eternity. Amen. That's the church. I've been talking about it, but it's Ephesians 5.25. Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That's enough for me. If Jesus loves the church, I love the church. 
He's my Lord. I want to be like him. If he loves it, I love it. How is it that believers are so apathetic about the church when Jesus is so passionate about the church? It belongs to Jesus. He said, I'll build my church, something he's building. So when the world is disparaging the church all the time, you know what we ought to be doing? We ought to be bragging about the church. We ought to be talking it up. We ought to be talking about all the great things that God is doing. I'm going to tell you, listen, sometimes you know people that need God and they need something in their life. They need help. You go on and invite them to church. Well, let me tell you, if you don't love the church, it sure is going to be a half-hearted invitation. See, if you don't love the church, why would anybody want to go to your church? See, we need to have this mentality. I love the church. I can't wait to go again. Well, you know, I'm going to go if I get around to it, if it's convenient and I feel like it, I'm going to... No, I love the church. I love getting together with God's people. He's coming back for the church, His bride, His people for eternity. I want to read Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. Christ loved the church. He gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. See, Jesus is preparing for himself a people. You know what? We've got blemishes. We've got problems. We've got imperfect people. But Jesus is washing us with the washing of the water of the word. He's preparing this people for himself. And that doesn't happen by people that are criticizing the church and finding fault with it. It is the word of the Lord that Jesus is working in his people. But he's preparing his people for the marriage supper of the Lamb. See, now I want to say this plainly. I love to go to church. Well, you're a preacher. You better like it. But listen, it wouldn't matter. Before I was a preacher, I love to go to church. I love to get in the presence of God. I love to be with God's people. I love to hear the word of the Lord. I love it when God is doing something fresh in my heart and life. I love to go to church. I'm in good company because Jesus went to church. Now listen, Jesus went to the synagogue It was his custom, the Bible tells us in Luke 4, 16. It says, and as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Now, of course, for Jesus, I'm sure that when he went to the synagogue, there were no hypocrites. Okay, that's sarcasm in case you didn't get it, because I want to assure you that the Pharisees and many others were nothing but hypocrites. Guess what? Jesus still went. It was still his custom. Somebody can keep you from going to church because they ain't doing right. Well, what? There's something wrong with that. Jesus went all the time when they came to take him away the night that he was betrayed in Matthew 26, 55. He tells them, I sat daily with you teaching in the temple and you did not seize me. Daily. I was with you teaching in the temple. Jesus was never anti-church. 
See, a lot of people have this attitude, you know, Jesus was a, was a, a rebel. He was never anti-church. He was not anti-religion. He was anti-phony. And we need to understand that. Yeah, he was anti-phony. Yes, he stood up to the hypocrites. He called them out. But he was never anti-church. The church is his church that he gave himself for. He loves the church. But it's not just something Jesus used to do. No, Jesus still goes to church. Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered in my name, in my name, it's not just when a bunch of people get together. It's when you gather for this purpose, you're gathering in his name. He says, I am there in the midst of them. We all know that God is everywhere. He is omnipresent. But this verse tells us there is a special manifest presence of God when his people gather in his name. And I, and many of you, you know that. You know it from personal experience because there are times as we worship the Lord that we sense, we feel, we know his presence in such a tangible way. And then there are those times when maybe we don't feel it, but we still know it because the Word says that He will be there in our midst. And when Jesus is in our midst, I want to tell you, miracles can happen. People are healed. People are set free. You see, that's what we need is to be in the presence of Jesus. Amen. That happens when we gather as His people. I love the church because when we gather, the Lord's presence is there. That's the most wonderful thing on earth. But how is it that so many Christians think that work is a necessity, that school is a necessity, that some recreation is a necessity? Some think that working out is a necessity. Some think that social media is a necessity. But church isn't a necessity. It's just something that you do if you feel like you need to. Not for me. I need it. I need God's people. I need the body of Christ. It's not just me and Jesus. That is not right. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this, Let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Encourage one another. We're supposed to encourage one another daily. We all need that. Here's the thing. Can you make it without it? Maybe. I don't know. But I know this. You can be more with it. And I also know this. Maybe you don't need it today. Somebody else does. In this Congregation, right here this morning, there are people that need somebody to encourage them. Somebody to pray with them, somebody to lift them up, somebody to give them a kind word. There are people that need encouragement. In fact, here's what he says here. He says that we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. You know what this world needs? See, there's a whole lot of people that think they know what this world needs politicians talking about it, and this one's saying this, and this one's saying that. Let me tell you, what this world really needs is they need more love and good deeds. 
They need to see God moving and working in his people. Jesus says that we are the light of the world. And then he says this, they will see your good deeds, your good works, and glorify your Father in heaven. That's what this world needs. But you see, what's being stirred up, and even among God's people, and I hate to say it, but even preachers are doing this. They're stirring up hate and anger and animosity. That's not what we need. We need to stir each other up to love and good deeds. We need to encourage one another so that we're ready to go out in this world and to make a difference, not just have a Christian version of the world's attitude, but to truly be different, that our Savior has changed our life and that we truly love people and we want to help people. Where do you get that? Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You see, we come together and we're encouraged and we're strengthened and ready to go out in the world with love and good deeds. So funny, so strange, so weird, so silly, so shallow, the attitudes and the reasons that people give for not going to church. One pastor decided he wasn't going to go to any more ball games. Here was his 10 reasons why. He said, every time I went, they asked me for money. Mm Mm-hmm. The people I had to sit with weren't friendly. They didn't even speak to me. He said, the seats were not comfortable, and the, the temperature, it was hot. So I decided I won't go anymore. I went to, to, to many games, but the coach never came to visit me. Why should I go when I can watch it on TV? Hey, that's what I'm saying. I ain't going to go watch some ball game drive and sit for three hours and watch some game. I watch it on TV where I can fast forward. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not going to church, or not going to ball games. I got to keep this right. I hope that you're, you're catching, anyway, all right. If you're not, I can't help you. I quit, pastor said, I'm not going to ball games because some of the games went into overtime. And when I got to the restaurant, I had to wait in line. He said, I didn't like the music they played. I really don't. They played the stupidest music at ball games, that organ business. Anyway, it seems like the games are always scheduled when I need to be doing something else. And here's the big one. When I was a kid, my mom and dad used to force me to go to ball games. Okay. Some don't go to church because they were offended by somebody. Somebody. Just somebody. Might even be in the preacher. That ain't everybody. And I just wanted to say, if, if you found in this church somebody that you don't like, well, I got to tell you, there's a whole lot of other somebodies. But somebody offended you, so you're not going to go. Well... I wonder what those people do when somebody offends them at work or at school. Here's what I know my Savior said to do. Somebody wrongs you, forgive them. Just as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. See, that's no reason to not go to church. No, we love the church. Here at Grace Church, I tell you, we have so many sweet, loving, kind people, and so many that you will enjoy and that you will be blessed by getting to know. And so I just encourage you, 
get in. Love the church. I love the church because the church is how the Lord is reaching people in this world and changing lives. Jesus gave this commission to the church in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You'll notice here that Jesus didn't say, Go and make converts. Go and get people to pray a prayer. You know, let's just get a bunch of people to pray a prayer and we're done. No, he said, go and make disciples. He said to teach them all the things that I've taught you. And see, we need the church for that to really happen. I love the church because that's how God is moving and working. And the mission of the church is to make disciples. We read earlier that he's sanctifying and cleansing his church for the, through the washing of the water of the word. You see, it is the word of God that so often God uses to speak to us. And many times it is through the preaching and teaching of God's word that we hear something fresh, something that we desperately needed. Anybody ever been to church and it was like God spoke to you that day? Now I want to tell you something. It might not happen every time you go. But what if you're not there that day? You say, oh, that would never happen. Have you ever sat in church and thought, I wish so-and-so was here? Sometimes you might have been so-and-so. You should have been here. You see, it's a why we, part of why we come is so that we get ministered to. But listen, it's not just about us, is it? See, even if, even if it wasn't like this earth-shaking thing that God did in our life that day, if I got to watch somebody else go down front and their life be changed, that was fantastic. That was way better than whatever else is happening on a Sunday morning anywhere else. Oh, church, I love the church. I really do. I don't know. Why people bought this deception, this lie that we don't need church. I remember years ago, I knew a man who lived a really sinful, carnal life, and yet he professed to be a Christian. He told me, he said, he didn't need to go to church because he didn't need somebody else telling. He said, nobody else could tell me something about God. He thought he had it all figured out. I want to tell you, I've been serving the Lord, been pastoring and in ministry for 40 years, and I'm still learning. I could still learn from a child. You see, we're, we ought to always have that attitude that we learn and we grow from one another. Iron sharpens iron. But you need to be careful who you're learning from, who you're hanging out with. You know, so one of the reasons we have youth fellowships is because we believe it's really important that our young people have good, close friends at church. You know what? I think it's important for adults to have good, close friends at church. Amen. I love the church. I love the church because it is the body of Christ. See, we, we really do need each other. It's real cool and hip to say, oh, I don't need anybody, me and Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12, 20 and 21 says, But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. We all need each other. And... Here's the thing, you really do need the rest of the body of Christ, but also, we need you. We are blessed 
we're stronger, we're better because of having been together. But one of the great blessings and strengths of the church is the diversity of the church. The people from all different walks of life all come together. You see, in the world, in the natural, we just tend to gravitate toward people that are kind of like us. But it's not supposed to be that way in the church because it's through our diversity that we're the strongest. See, at this church, we're real big on being a multi-generational church. We want children and young people and young single adults and young married couples and people with kids and grandparents and older people. We want them all. We are weaker if we don't have senior saints. We are weaker if we don't have any young people in our church. We want them all. This is the way it's supposed to be. Listen, we want people to wear cowboy boots and people that wear those skinny jeans. That was hard to say. I'm just... I got it out, though. We want you here. (laughs) You see, we really do need all of us together. See, it doesn't matter if we make a lot of money or not so much. We're educated or not educated. You come together in the body of Christ, and we all draw strength from each other. I've had, you know, several really close friends in ministry over the years that... In the natural, I had nothing in common with them. We didn't like the same things. We, did, you know, we didn't spend our leisure time doing the same things. But we were close friends because of the work of the Lord that we did together in ministry. And you see, that's what carries over into eternity. But in the body of Christ, we all need one another Even though sometimes we may not feel like we're needed, I'm telling you, we need you this morning. I love the church because the church is my family. Ephesians 3, 14 and 15 says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. See, we're brothers and sisters. That's not old-fashioned language. That's Bible, scriptural language. Because when you read the New Testament, they called, they referred to each other as brothers and sisters. James writes to the 12 tribes of brethren abroad. And John writes to, he says, to my little children. Paul calls Timothy his son in the faith. They thought of each other as family. You know where they got that idea? Jesus Matthew 20, 12, 46 through 50, while he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, here are my mother and my brothers For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus thought of those who serve God as his family. And we need to realize that we have a spiritual family.
being washed in the blood of Jesus, born of the same Spirit. It's more real than natural family. It's going to carry over into eternity. Listen, this is one of the blessings of the universal church. So we go on vacation, and we went to Vermont, and one morning we, as we prayed over our breakfast, the young lady that was waiting, over us, waiting on us, she came over to our table, and she was so moved, it was visible. You could tell that she was really moved and stirred, and she told us her story, how that she had just recently been born again, and it blessed her to see us praying, but we just immediately felt a connection with her. It was like we're family. Even though, you know, she's in Vermont. We, didn't, we got family in Vermont, y'all. Amen. And that's awesome. But here's the thing. How much more should we feel like we're family here in the local church? Amen. This is part of the problem how Satan has used these at negative attitudes about the church where people don't feel like we're family anymore. Easy come, easy go, doesn't matter. You know, hey, they got, a, they got a better show over at this church. It ain't about that. It's about a spiritual family. Amen. That's who we are. That's what we're supposed to be. And I love the church because it's my spiritual family. I mean, there's just a special bond between those who have stood together through the battles, through all kinds of illness and tragedies and heartache and struggle. We lock arms and stand against the enemy and do battle. Listen, that's a special bond in a family and all how we need that in the body of Christ. I love that about the church. So how can we practically love the church? I used this verse last week, 1 John 3, 18. My little children, let us not love in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. So love is something we do. It's not just something we say. You know, we say we love the church, and yet we're not involved or we don't have anything to do with it. It's just lip service. I, I, I want to address this one more time, though. I, I know at church, there's times when it's hard to love the church, hard to love some, certain people. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've met some mean people at church. I was telling Carmen, I, you know, reminding her about this time about 10 years ago. After service, I was walking up the aisle and some lady confronted me. She didn't like something. I don't remember what it was, but I was smiling at her just to kind of try to be pleasant. And she said, what are you smiling about? There's just some mean people sometimes at church. You know what I mean? Anybody met one of them? Yeah. Don't let them stop you from coming. You know, just, we got so many sweet people around here. Just find one of them. You'll feel better soon. But here's the thing. Yeah, there's, I've met mean people. I've met kooky people at church, right? I mean, some of them are whacked out. You know what? There's nobody crazier than religious crazy people, just saying. I mean, there's all, all different shapes and sizes. Some of them are hard to love. But here's the thing. We can't just love the ones that we like. That's right. 
No, Jesus said to love one another as I have loved you. And so, you know what? For us to really love the church, we have to be willing to love all of them, not just the ones we like, but all of them. And if we love the church, then we want to help the church. Jesus is building his church. He said, I will build my church. How does he do that? Primarily through his church. Ephesians 4.16. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. See, we really, truly, practically love the church by being involved in doing our part, doing what we know to do, doing what God has enabled us to do. Last week, I wrapped up the message. We talked about Peter and how Jesus challenged his love. He said, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. And I want you to understand that if we're going to love the church, there are things that God would have you do. All of us have different gifts and abilities, but you need to be involved. You need to find what you can do in the body of Christ. Maybe you can work with kids. Maybe you can serve as an usher or a greeter. Maybe you pray. That's your gift. As you got a calling as an intercessor, prayer warrior. But I just want to tell you, whatever that is, this is a way that you can love the church is that you are willing to serve and to help the church. Not just lip service, but something we do. If we love the church, Jesus is building his church. We always want to build it. We always want to build it up, not tear it down. You know, the way that people tear down the church is by the things that they say. Don't be critical of the church. Don't find the things that you don't like and talk about it. That's what the world is doing. No, we got to talk about all the good things. I'll just tell you, I'm a perfectionist. I can be super critical about stuff. And I can be critical of people, and especially me, by the way. But I can fall into that pattern where I see the negatives. We need to look for the positives. We need to see all that's right and good about the church and in the local body, all that's right and good. Can you find something wrong? Sure you can. But let's talk about the good. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians 4.29. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Wow. What if we really limited our conversation to just to the things that would help, that would build up? And last, if we love the church, you pray for the church. Jesus prayed for the church in John chapter 17. He prayed that the church would be one. He said that the world might know that you have sent me. This is how important it is that we as the church represent Jesus right. That the world will know that the Father sent him. See, The church is so important in what God is doing in this world. Jesus prayed for the church. The Apostle Paul, you can actually read many of his prayers in the letters that he wrote. He prayed for the church. 
And if you love the church, pray for the church. Listen, Paul said, pray for me. And I'm telling you as the pastor this morning, pray for me. I know how weak I am. I know how much I'm not all that. You don't, you, nobody needs to tell me. Pray for me. I know that God uses the weak. I know that he's able to anoint. I just, listen, you don't like the preaching? Pray for the preacher. Pray for the church. It would be all that God wants us to be. And if you don't love the church, you're struggling with that. Now, first of all, I just want to tell you, it's not just a feeling. It's something that from the heart you decide to do. But if you're struggling to love the church, pray for the church. It's amazing how God can do a work in your heart if you'll pray for the church. We're going to pray. We'd like for you to stand with me.